Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Welcome back, folks. This is the Wesson Walker Show, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ, broadcasting live from the Planet Kia Studios. Best place on the planet to buy a car. Visit them on East Independence or online at planetkianc.com. Talked about yesterday the big Bradley Bill trade that came in where they absolutely fleeced the Wizards. But more importantly, we have a new big three in the NBA, just when we thought the NBA Finals could maybe put this to an end with Miami having their big two and the Nuggets having their big two. But here comes the Suns and Bradley Beal and Kevin Durant and Devin Booker. And I guess maybe you could add DeAndre Ayton into this as well. So do you feel like that this trade re-enters us into the big three era because teams are going to be trying to uh, I guess, get their arms ready to be able to compete with this team? No, because the new CBA is not necessarily figured out yet. And once that is, it's going to make it really hard for teams to fill out a roster while paying everybody millions and millions of dollars to the tune of $30 million a year like DeAndre Ayton is making and him being the worst of the big quote-unquote four that you're going to have. It's going to be too hard to create some kind of big three. And also, I'm not sure how many teams are going to want to build that way. Phoenix is clearly all in, and it was a problem last year, the lack of depth. They're so top-heavy to where they're probably going to overpay for somebody like a Jock Landale, who is a good center for what they want to do, but Jock Landale, not a better talent than DeAndre, and yet he's probably going to get overpaid. You're going to try to fill out your roster with guys like Torrey Craig and people you don't get all that excited about. No, this does not mean that you are going to have a big three era where so many different teams are going to try to sign these guys via free agency. Maybe you run into one like Golden State when they draft all of them. That's certainly possible. But as far as we've already got one star, let's go out and get another one. Let's go out and get another one. No, I don't think we're going to see super teams um, like we've seen with Phoenix happen so much frequently. I think we'll see one more, but I don't think it's going to turn into a league-wide thing. I think Damian Lillard is going to be traded, and I think he somehow, some way, ends up in Miami to pair up with Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo, and I think that will be the next big three to drop. And then I think after that, it's going to be interesting because who's going to do it? Who do you trade for? Do you have the assets? But I know down here in Charlotte, could we potentially be on the cusp of having a homegrown big three like what you just talked about? And also one of the options, we know the Brandon Miller news has come out that he's probably going to be the guy. But we've also talked about trades this week. And John Fanta on the Zach Gelb show talked about the possibilities of the Hornets or the Blazers trading their top three pick for a guy like Zion Williamson. And if it's smart or not, if you're Charlotte or if you are Portland, and the Pelicans call you up and they say, we'll give you Zion for the two or three pick. Do either of those teams end up doing that? I I hang up the phone. Hang up the phone. If if one of those two teams does that, I think it'd be idiotic, just being honest. I, I don't trust the future for Zion Williamson. Uh, I don't mm-hmm. think that, that he uh, presents the same kind of upside 
that those guys that I just mentioned could. I, I wouldn't do it, Zach. I think that there's major concerns around Zion. Uh, I, I just don't think that he's a guy that is going to be the number one option uh, on a team that can win a championship. So we talk about the Brandon Miller situation earlier, but then there's also talk of trades that we've heard in the past. But could LaMelo and this number two pick build towards Charlotte having their own big three, or even if they did decide to go the route of bringing in a Zion or someone like that, because we know Miles is coming back as well, and he's an all-star caliber player that could potentially help form a big three as well. But what say you, Walker? All right, all right. so if if you do, let's take the John Fanta approach real quick. If If you do decide to hang up the phone and not go after Zion, then you're trying to build a big three and get the most talented players as possible with LaMelo already on the roster with your number two overall selection. And as far as right now goes, maybe miles is that guy because PJ is not going to be a part of the big three. Nobody else on the roster, Mark Williams, they're not going to be a big three type of style. So the way to do it would be LaMelo number two. And if they were hell bent on getting someone else, maybe that is the discount that you're going to get miles bridges at because not anybody is going to come in, give miles bridges $30 million that he was anticipated to make before he was arrested for felony domestic violence. If you were to trade for Zion, you obviously wouldn't have the number two overall pick anymore. And Zion and LaMelo, if Zion was on the floor, that would give you the big two and maybe miles coming aboard that would try to help you get that big three as well. It feels like more of a big two and a half with miles and LaMelo would have to stay on the floor as well because he's injury prone right now, at least with what we've seen last season, injury prone might be too strong, but there is a history last year of him continuing to hurt his ankle and then the other ankle as well. So hopefully these guys could stay on the floor, but I'm telling you, I I agree with John Fanta for the most part. I'm not hanging up the phone but I'm ultimately not making that decision to trade for Zion Williamson because I just can't trust the guy right yeah, now. Yeah, and I like the fact that, like I said, you get this number two pick, you looking, you're looking at him as a franchise guy. So I do think this is going to go towards perhaps getting a homegrown big three. If you draft Brandon Miller, he turns out to hit, be the Jason Tatum type or Jason Tatum light that a lot of the fans are uh, comparing him to. I think that you are on the fast track to perhaps getting that done because you do need those two superstars. LaMelo needs to like you said, stay off of the injury list and be able to be available, pair up with this number two draft pick and then whoever else that may be if it turns out to be Miles and he comes back and rejuvenates himself. So you could have that going in Charlotte. But he did talk about Zion and I, I did see on uh, online talking about the situation that he has going. And We've talked about it ad nauseum. The situation with Mariah Mills seems to be getting worse uh, by the day, she's threatening to release footage of things, and it just seems to be just a big old mess. It's, it's getting really tough for him, and there are rumors that he's going to be gone from the team by draft night. Do you think that he will be dealt? Let's hear from Bill Simmons first, and then we'll break this down. The Zion thing is a real, real, real subplot. I had somebody tell me yesterday that I trust that he will not be on that team on Thursday. I was like, really? I haven't heard that. And they're like, you watch. So there you go on that. It's amazing to me just just how this whole situation has escalated so quickly. Zion came into the league, such a beloved player, 
Kids love him. He comes in. He's he's producing when he's on the court. We know the issues he's had with the diet, with the weight, and coming in and missing a lot of time there. But it just seems like, man, I never would have thought this quickly that the Pelicans would be looking to trade him. But what are your thoughts about this? And do you think he will be dealt on draft night uh, or before? Well, about what? Just about Zion? Do I think that he'll be? Do you think that he will be dealt? before or on draft night and then you can just give your thoughts on the situation as a whole how things have turned out with him um i ultimately don't think he's going to be dealt on draft night and i know bill simmons is saying he's going to be dealt you watch there's different reports that we're getting on this ultimately i try to i'm trying to figure out how to agree on his value this has always been the problem with trying to make a zion williamson and number two overall pick work because who's giving up the most I've seen some people just be so damn sure that the Pelicans are giving up the most when they trade Zion Williamson, but somebody like John Fanta is telling you to hang up the phone if they're offering Zion for the number two or the number three pick and that he wouldn't do it. So people are very sure as well that the number two overall pick is more valuable, especially in a draft where you could have Brandon Miller or Scoot Henderson. I don't know how teams are going to be able to agree on who's giving up the most because clearly these teams are going to be fighting for it. Now, we're giving up Zion. We want something else in addition to your number two overall pick. Now, we're giving up the number two or the number three. We want a rotational guy in there to come alongside Zion. But there's no reason to believe that Zion can stay healthy. There are legitimate questions about whether he cares enough to put his body in shape. And if that doesn't happen, the guy's already gotten paid. So it's not like there's even the monetary factor he's already taken care of. It's just not a risk that I am willing to take. And even with all the off-court issues, I don't know how much I put into that. It's not great. I'd rather it not be there. Uh, My main concern about trading for Zion right now is the fact that the dude has played 114 games in four years. Yeah, and I think that... When you look at this situation, I'll just talk about how quickly it has escalated. But I do think that he's going to be traded. I think that something's going to happen either on draft night or before that. And uh, whichever situation he he goes to, I think it's going to be a blockbuster deal. I think you're going to see some movement there because I think New Orleans is ready to get off of him. The things you spoke about uh, how he's treated the rehab process and things of that nature. I think New Orleans is kind of at their wits end with him. And I think they're ready to move on. Maybe they don't see the force from the trees and him starting to get it and starting to mature. And they want to get value for him while they still can, because this is the most value you're going to be able to get from him. Because if he gets a couple of more injuries, the value plummets, but there's still people out there like myself who may be in those NBA front offices who thinks that, There can be something to be salvaged. He is still a very, very young kid, and hopefully the light bulb will turn on if he's as smart as I think he is. But how crazy do you expect draft night to get? I think it could get pretty crazy. I know that we always expect it, and there are some draft nights that will provide a lot of entertainment, and sometimes they underwhelm. But there's just so many teams in the mix. There are, I mean... One of the things we didn't get to in this Yahoo report written by Jake Fisher, it's that think about some of these teams that are trying to deal with Damian Lillard, right? Yeah. And think about what you could possibly get trading up in the draft where now there's talk. Is there a shot that Miami could trade all the way up to number three and even get a Scoot Henderson? And boy, how angry would that make Hornets fans if Scoot goes to Miami, destroys the league, 
and you have Brandon Miller who does it. Now, it could be the exact opposite. Maybe Miami decides to go up and get Brandon Miller, and then he destroys the league. It's the same thing. I don't want to just continue to paint you know, one side of the picture here. I am trying to understand both sides. But yeah, if, Miami's, if Miami gets one of these guys and they pan out, it would make Hornets fans a lot more frustrated. So I think you have Miami in on this. I think you have New Orleans trying to make some deals. The Damian Lillard sweepstakes will be fascinating. I just read that the Spurs, they said, are looking for a teammate for Victor Wembenyama. They're saying they're looking for a second lottery pick. Indiana has been rumored to be interested in trying to move up to get the best possible player. Yeah, I think we get quite a bit of trades on NBA Draft Night. Yeah, I think so, too. And I think it's going to be a lot of fun. You're hearing things left and right. It seems like it seems like a lot of times, though, when you start hearing from people, oh, it's going to be crazy. It's going to be this. It's going to be that. It doesn't turn out to be so much. But I think this NBA Draft, especially with Phoenix making this first move before the draft, has gotten here, I think it's going to set off a chain reaction where teams are going to be looking to try to match up with them. Uh, Teams are going to be chasing the Nuggets, looking for that blueprint to see how they can do that. So I think it's going to be a lot of great stuff going down on draft night. It's going to be fun. It's going to be riveting. So as we get closer and closer, I think we may see one more big move before the draft even gets here. That's just my thinking from everything that you hear. But when we come back on the Wesson Walker Show, Best bargain free agent pickup for the Carolina Panthers. That's on the other side on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. It's Wesson Walker on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ reminding you to come join us on Thursday night. We're going to be at Thomas Davis's new bar and restaurant 1058 as WFNZ celebrates the Charlotte Hornets and their number two overall draft pick. Stop by to hang out with us as we take you through the night with food and drink specials, special prizes, and even a live broadcast. That's this Thursday night at the bar and restaurant 1058 located at 430 West 4th Street starting at 6 and heading through the night. Only from your sports radio 92.7 WFNZ station, the exclusive home of the Charlotte sports fan. Why are you laughing at me, Fitty? I got to tell you something. Uh, this this popped into my head, and I, I want you to know this comes from a good place. Because I did not get to see the SGA meltdown from the draft five, six years ago, mm-hmm. I am actively rooting for the Hornets to draft Scoot Henderson, but then trade him away to New Orleans in a deal involving Zion Williamson to watch you in a bar full of people absolutely melt down. I've learned my lesson. <laughs> that was a long time ago. You haven't grown. No, I have. No, you haven't. Look at my tweet from last year's draft night. I already know what is possible to come. <laughs> the Hornets drafted Jalen Duran, 
who I really liked. I, I liked him as the number one guy the Hornets should pursue if he was available. And I loved Mark Williams, by the way. I had talked about it leading up to the draft, how Mark would be totally a fine pick, would welcome him aboard, thought he was a good draft prospect. But I wanted Jalen Duran more. Once they drafted him, I said, now the great part about being a Hornets fan is being anxious to the point because you know they're going to take your favorite player and then trade him. And then everybody was like, oh my God, Walker, you are an oracle. That's exactly what happened. I tweeted that out before they traded Jalen Duran to the Knicks and then to the Pistons. And then they traded their pick in exchange for Denver's first round selection that has a selecting at 27 a couple of nights from now. And then so me and Doug on Locked on Hornets, we continue to host a really dark podcast not really because they <laughs> traded Jalen Duran, but it was really because of the package. They traded the 13th overall selection and got the 27th overall selection the next year. Just didn't make a lot of sense to me at the time. And Mitch Kupchak's reasoning didn't help. Yeah, this will be you on Friday. This is what happens whenever you see Mitch Kupchak. I'm going to destroy you. <laughs> probably not a good career play. <laughs> Even if Mitch Kupchak probably won't be here long term with uh, new ownership. Walker? Uh Oh, mine's not as good as yours. Um, you're going to have to destroy me. Um, thought Brandon Miller was the better player. Um, oh. Miller time. I, I like beer. Miller's my favorite. Uh, Bush Light is good, too, but I'm sorry. What are we talking about again? That's what I expect Mitch Kupchak to do on NBA Draft Night. 704-570-9610. We have 980 <laughs> say, good to have you back, Mr. Marlowe. Uh, and then he says to me, look, Scoot can't shoot. So there you go. Scoot <laughs> can't shoot. The best part was he misspelled his name. I know. S-K-O-O-T. God, I love it. Yeah, for those that don't know, by the way, there was a report coming in right before we hopped on the air. Jake Fisher talked about the number two overall pick with the Charlotte Hornets and that the positioning will be determined throughout the NBA draft on who the Hornets will decide to select. And Jake Fisher said, while Scoot Henderson has impressed Hornets staffers with his size and explosiveness, Miller's perceived optimal fit next to ball seems too large a factor for Charlotte to pass over. Miller has been considered the favorite of the Hornets front office, and it appears headed towards the Hornets selecting Miller after San Antonio crowns Victor Webinyama as the number one pick Thursday. My big initial problem with that is the fact that it's based off of fit here. Maybe it does. Maybe it does depend on the Hornets and saying, hey, we think Brandon Miller outright is the better prospect. We just didn't get it in this report. What we got was Miller's perceived optimal fit next to ball seems to be too large of a factor. And if it's the largest factor as to why you're selecting Brandon, that's the real problem I have because teams have drafted off of fit countless times. And a lot of times they failed because they're not taking the better prospect. And that would be my biggest problem. So we'll see what happens on NBA draft night. But a lot of people are checking in on me because, yeah, the report right now doesn't lean towards Scoot Henderson. We'll see about the fit. I will say this, though. I keep refreshing Vegas odds to see if we get any update there. FanDuel still has Scoot Henderson at minus 260. I'm not going to feel comfortable about changing the odds here until we get to tomorrow because I do want to cause for that delay for Vegas to catch up to the reporting. Maybe they don't buy it from Jake Fisher. Maybe they don't buy it from Woj, who's also saying Brandon Miller is the second best prospect, according to a lot of front office execs. But I really haven't seen that line change. In fact, going to June 6th, it was Henderson plus 115, Miller minus 155. June 12th, Henderson plus 170, Miller minus 240. So even more in favor of Brandon Miller by June 12th. We get to June 16th, 
Henderson becomes the favorite. Minus 110, Miller minus 105, neck and neck. And then today, it's still Henderson minus 260, Miller plus 175. What do you make of the odds here? Are you waiting to see if anything changes based on the reporting we've seen today? Yeah, exactly. That's the thing I would say is just kind of wait and see if those odds are going to change because we talked about how the Jabari Smith, Paolo Bancaro deal and how the odds changed the closer we got to draft day. We're only a couple of days away. So I think there's a lot to be said. We'll see even if those odds change tonight because after this comes out, we always think about does Vegas know something that we don't know. So I think tomorrow especially will be very telling to see what Vegas does. I will say, too, we can go back to last year. We've used that as an example quite a bit. Everybody thought Jabari Smith was going to be the pick at number one, and then the line changed really last minute. I, I would like to go back and see when the lines exactly changed, but it was really the day before they started to shift and the needle started to point towards Palabon Caro eventually he was the selection at number yes. one, and it was not what everybody anticipated with Jabari Smith there. Let's go to the Carolina Panthers, talk about some of their offseason additions because we all loved what they were able to do, acquiring some of the players to allow them to improve based off of last year. We already went through what we thought might be the worst decision. You and I both agreed it might not be paying attention to opposite edge rusher or an additional cornerback, but we still love what they were able to do. Now we get to focus on that part. What do you think was the best bargain free agent pickup that the Carolina Panthers and Scott Fitterer made this past summer? Well, I think you look at Von Bell at safety and you look at the deal that they got him on. And so he's been improving every single year when you talk about pass rating uh, allowed. Last season was his best season. And he was named by Touchdown Wire, a USA Today uh, affiliate, as one of the best 11 safeties in the NFL, and the Panthers got him for $13 million guaranteed. And when you look at his passer rating allowed the last three seasons, 2020, it was 127.5. 2021, it was 96.3. And last year was 73.7. So this is a guy that's been continuing to get better. You've already heard from Panthers teammates early in the camp process that he was a guy that was coming in, showing that leadership in the locker room, showing that leadership out there on the field of a veteran guy who's been on some deep playoff runs, been to a Super Bowl. So I think that when you're able to get a guy like that, now safety is another position that's starting to kind of go down as far as value and, and, and high money guys. But a three-year, $22.5 million deal, $13 million guaranteed for a safety that's getting, getting better in a position of need, the secondary needed upgrades. And so I think this is the guy that you look at as a great value for Carolina. Um, I'm going to go with DJ Chark. I think getting him, I liked him a lot throughout the free agent process. He was always a target. Carolina was able to get this thing done. And if you look at what he did with the Lions last year, he missed a lot of October, all of October, missed majority of November, but then comes back and he gives you some nice games. Back-to-back -back games against Jacksonville and Minnesota, where he went for 98 and 94 yards receiving. He had a 108-yard game against Carolina. You look at him as being that deep threat. Some of his, you know, average games at 56 on two catches against Chicago. So he showed you that downfield threat. You signed him for one year, five mil guaranteed, not even 2 million. You also get out of that contract. As soon as this season's over with, if you don't trust his health long-term and we've seen his stats before where if he can't stay healthier than he was last year, this is someone that had a thousand yards, his second season in the league in 2019, 
and surprise Pro Bowl appearance from DJ Chark in Jacksonville. Again, it's all about him staying on the field. Only played four games in 2021. But 500 yards in 11 games played, I'll take that from DJ. If you're about on pace for something like 800 and you can stretch the field, really like what he was able to do in his time with Detroit. And by the way, Lions had a lot of weapons to roll with. That they did. Amon Ross St. Brown, pretty clearly their number one overall wide receiver. And DJ Chark still uh, a big time impact. So I, I really like that bargain bin pickup if you're looking for some of the better deals that Carolina was able to make this year. Now it's not going to be a bargain for you to sign Brian Burns or Derek Brown. Both of them are going to get huge contracts. And they're going to be the foundation of the Carolina Panthers defense. And it's exactly what you see from Pete Prisco in his top 100. Some of the higher rated Panthers on his list includes Derek Brown, who comes in at number 82, and Brian Burns, who comes in at number 67. I don't mind where they're ranked here. I'm more interested in this conversation, Wes. Okay. Do you think Derek Brown and Brian Burns are the best dynamic duo? If we wanted to give that title... To somebody on Carolina Panthers roster, whatever tandem you want to go with, would you go with Derek Brown and Brian Burns up front? Would you go with a couple of guys in the secondary? I know you like Von Bell as a free agent pickup. You have Jeremy Chin you were praising earlier. Would you go offensively? I'm letting you roam wherever you want to on this roster. Who would you call the dynamic duo? There's no question about it. It's Derek Brown and Brian Burns. I mean, and it's not even just low-hanging fruit because they made this list, but these are their two franchise players to this point until we see what Bryce Young has to offer. But these are going to be the two big-money guys on the roster when it's all said and done. We know that Brian Burns is a pass rusher, is going to get paid handsomely. We know Derek Brown is a guy that will now go to a 3-4 defensive end and show what he can do out there at that five technique, but still also fancied as an interior defensive lineman, which I, I am sure that he will moonlight in as well in this defense, especially when they go to multiple fronts. So these are two very premium positions. These are two young men that have continued to ascend in each of those positions and been more and more productive as their careers go on. I don't think there's any question at all that this is the dynamic duo on the Carolina Panthers defensively, offensively, whichever way you want to slice it, these are the two guys. Yeah, I don't know who else you would go with. If we were forced to pick someone offensively, oftentimes you want to go with two running backs that might be on the team. We already had that experience with Jonathan Stewart and D'Angelo Williams once upon a time. You can go to Musa Muhammad, Steve Smith, your outside wide receivers. Maybe for a year you had Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore, but not really. DJ was always the guy. I think offensively this season, you might just want to go with the bookends. The tackles, Taylor Moten and Nikki Aquanu. Unless you wanted to go with Bryce Young's emerged favorite target, right. I don't know who that might be. There's so many different guys that you could throw to. Nobody is the clear number one. But I like Nikki Aquanu and I like Taylor Moten protecting the blind side and protecting the strong side for Bryce Young to be able to maneuver within the pocket and hopefully throw downfield and just make the smart play. And just as we mentioned with Greg Allman, writing about the NFC South, his latest article you can find on his Twitter page, at Greg Allman. Wes, the intelligence is the thing that is popping off of the page, popping off of the field for everyone. And that's something we anticipated quite a bit. Yeah, we definitely did. He's been everything as advertised so far. And that's the thing is that when we were praising Bryce Young early in this process, a lot of the things that we said about him are coming to fruition already. And I think that's a good omen for him 
going into the season is that he is confirming a lot of the thoughts that we had about him. And I think that should continue into training camp. It should continue on to the field during preseason. And hopefully it will translate to him having a really, really good rookie season. So we like the bet for Bryce Young to win rookie of the year. I think it's plus 500. B. John Robinson's the favorite. Bryce Young is the second favorite. Brian Burns is not the favorite to win defensive player of the year in 2023. But he is at least somebody people are going to consider as having a breakout season nationally, possibly getting to the 15 sacks, setting the franchise record, maybe climbing even more so into a top five guy when it comes to total sacks this year under a Jero Averro, still young, still has plenty of athleticism. Can he stay on the field every single game has the goal of reaching 10 sacks by week 10. Is this an, is this a decent flyer? If you are a betting man, to maybe take and say, hey, if he gets enough sacks, which people are going to be paying attention to, maybe he's 2023 DPOI. There's no question about it. I mean, you look at his odds, plus 2,000. That would be a great bet, even if you put just a little bit of Skrilla down on Mr. Burns, okay? Because this is a team that's expected to compete for their their division, and this is a defense that many people expect to improve. So I think that – you start with the franchise sack record. That's the baseline for him getting into the defensive player of the year discussion. And then I think you go from there. But if this is a team that makes the playoffs, this defense is a top 10 unit, and Brian Burns can break that franchise sack mark, I think he has a great chance to get in there. And if he can inch close enough to 20, with him not having a guy on the other side that can really provide consistent pressure that we've seen yet, that could end up uh, hurting him down the stretch. But especially if he's able to put up those type of numbers without a teammate on the other side that's a double-digit sack guy, I think he's got to be right there in the discussion. So I don't think it's a bad bet. Well, and sacks matter so much when it comes to reaching Defensive Player of the Year status because – would you say Hassan Reddick is a better edge rusher than Miles Garrett? No. Miles Garrett finished behind Hassan Reddick, and they had the same amount of sacks. But he played on a better defense in Philadelphia. And this is someone that's only being able to be held in the same kind of conversation as Miles because he had 16 total sacks last year. But Miles Garrett is the better edge rusher. Chris Jones, Micah Parsons, Chris Jones from an interior standpoint had 15 and a half and Micah Parsons had 13 and a half, but he celebrated as one of the crazier edge rushers in the game. Nick Bosa obviously won. If you can get to 16, break the franchise record, you called the checkpoint he needs to reach to even be considered, then yeah, you're talking about a top five result. And if he gets to top five, then your bet has a chance of profiting for you. Yeah. So that would be really interesting to see if Averro can get him into that kind of status. Um, yeah, lots of guys going after the passer that finished in the top seven. The only defensive lineman not on the list is Sauce Gardner. When you talk about defensive player of the year voting results, he came in at eight last year. Yeah, that'll be extremely hard for a corner to get that. It's, it is. It would be really, unless you're shut down and those things don't exist. So you're not <laughs> going to be able to get that award. And certainly J.C. Horn's not going to be able to. All right, let's go to the last Fitty Flash of the day before we end it. What you got, Fitty? It's all right to be little Fitty. A little hometown or a big old city. Might as well share. Might as well smile. Life goes on for a little Fitty. Why? All right, guys. I thought about hitting the breaking news sounder for this because some... Uh, Big news coming out of the NBA. Oh, boy. 
Kyle Kuzma has declined his $13 million player option and will become a free agent. And additionally, Jazz center Damian Jones has opted into his $2.58 million player option and will return to Utah for next year. And out in Omaha in an elimination game, Hmm. TCU leading Oral Roberts one to nothing. People got excited when we heard some Oral Roberts baseball in the last break. So I wanted to provide the people an update because they are quote unquote America's team during the World Series if they're 52 and 13 on the year. All right. So there is the last Fitty Flash update, a Damian Jones reference in there for you. I, I have no idea who that is. <laughs> no, I'm not even going to lie. I know. I'm sure a lot of people don't. Former Vanderbilt center played with the Lakers, played with Golden State. I think like one of the last picks in the first round six years ago. Yeah. So he has rings. I didn't. He might have a ring. He really might. Yeah. Damian Jones, we look it up. We give you more Damian Jones info in the last <laughs> segment coming up next on Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 FM. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. talked about oh i'm old moments yesterday when i found myself wanting to go home not necessarily wanting to go home just not with the vibes as the young kids would say um <laughs> the vibe this weekend just wasn't holding my own another question i have about reaching the old moment you know how younger people can hear high-pitched noises better and then as you get older, you can't hear high-pitched noises mm-hmm. anymore. Have you heard about this before? I've not. Fiddy, do you know what I'm talking about? So there are, like, there are like tests out there when you're younger and when you're a kid, you can hear things that adults can't hear. Have you ever heard of this? What'd you say? Okay. So what we go to <laughs> is when we go to the text line. <laughs> Big T from NC said, the one promo we run for the draft party has a ringing sound in it. You brought it up as well. I can't hear it very well. Can you hear it, Wes? I did not know what you guys were talking about, <laughs> but the next time it comes on, I'm going to listen for All right. It. Well, maybe it's because you can't hear it. Big T, maybe if you don't mind writing your age in, just because I want to know if this is one of those things, because Fiddy, I guess you're 26. Mm-hmm. I'm 30. I don't know if you look 26, though. I, I know. I have a baby face, but I have a little bit of a goatee just to make sure people don't get it too twisted. I don't know if I can hear that thing. I don't know if that's an age thing or what's going on. So that's one thing I want to roll with. The second is, um, I'm going to leave this up to you guys. Do you want to hear Damian Jones stats or Shohei Otani stats? This is how we're going to end the show today. Shohei. Yeah, give me Otani. All right, so Damian Jones is a two-time NBA champ. (laughs) I was right. He did go to Vanderbilt. And he played with Golden State and the Los Angeles Lakers. And that is the man that you brought a news update for, a two-time champ. So I think it's fine. How many championships does Shohei have? 
The answer is zero for those of you that don't know. It's a World Baseball main, Classic, though. But not a Major League World Series. And that makes you the world champs. All right, I guess I'll give you the Shohei Otani stand. What's you? <laughs> All right. Well, it's nothing. No, it's, I, a, it's uh, our stuff. You're good. I just was looking at Wes to see what was going on because there was noise. And he looked at me big. No, don't go to me. Fair enough. I won't. Here's what Shohei Otani is leading his team in. Batting average, on-base percentage, slugging percentage, OPS, hits, triples, home runs, all right, now I'm going to go to the... Oh, wait, no, I'm still not done. RBIs, runs, total bases. All right, now I'm done. I'll go... No, I'm not. Walks, stolen <laughs> bases, and war. All right, that's just for batting. He leads the Angels as a pitcher in quality starts, wins, innings pitched, ERA, Ks, whip, BAA, and war as a pitcher. God. All right, now I'm done. How many more years before we call him the greatest player ever? How many more years of this is it going to take? Uh, well, no, we, well, oh, you mean of all time in the history of history? Yes. Because I know how tough baseball guys can be about yes, their history can. and different things like that. But I'm like, when you have a guy like this coming along doing these type of things, things we haven't seen before, how many years is it going to take? I think if he gets to five or six years of playing at this level, I mean, I, I'm shutting it down. Um, a lot of people are writing in that they can hear the ringing, by the way. It is not one of those old, young things. Just wanted to make that clear. Yeah, I don't know. I'm looking at Shohei Otani's stats right now. I think you just need more seasons. And this is the problem with Shohei is that we've seen some big-time injuries with him. Mm, and so we're always yeah. a little scared because if you're going to be out there in different capacities as a hitter and as a pitcher, the problem is there are more opportunities even in a 162-game season, for you to get hurt for someone that's already been injured before. Yeah. So if he only does this from 2018 to 2023, quote-unquote, only, I don't know if that's going to be enough and sustained long enough for you to be considered the best player of all time. But if we do get into, if it's 2023 now, if he does this for five more years and plays at least, what, Darn. 100 more games, then you might have to have that conversation about him just being the best player of all time. Maybe that is the thing. I think Barry Bonds is the best hitter ever. I know a lot of people have the steroids thing and say, nope, he's not the best hitter ever. But that's where I would roll. Best pitcher ever. Sandy Koufax is a is a short-lived stretch guy, but that stretch that he had was as dominant as any stretch a pitcher's ever had. And so those are my baseball takes. Fiddy, you got mad at me. Who do you think is the best hitter ever? I, I don't... I don't know if I have an answer to that. I, I don't. I don't think... You just know it's not Barry Bonds. I just I, I I wouldn't say Barry Bonds. Maybe I'm wrong when it comes to the Otani discussion. He has to leave the Angels to even be in the conversation. Like, uh, if, like I hate that uh, conversation point. Yeah, but like if if he's a Yankee, if he's a Dodger, um, hell, even if he's a Met, and I saw someone at the game where the weekend had already had a custom made Otani Met jersey, so that already <laughs> means he's not coming to the Mets. <laughs> if, if if he does what he's doing in L.A. and without going to the postseason, even though right now they're in the wild card, there's no way you can you can be in that conversation. And maybe that's not right because baseball is as ultimate a team sport as there is because you have so many other dudes you got to depend on and stuff like that. But see, you you could go either way because I know some people will say baseball is an individual sport camouflaged as a team sport. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, you you got to have at least a ring. To be considered the greatest of all time, he has to have a playoff appearance. Like that—that's what's hurting sub- him right now. I can subscribe to that. I—I I just there. What is he supposed to do? 
I, do Lee. you want me to read the stats again? We'll be here for another three minutes. <laughs> I refuse. What If you are leading your team in, as crazy it may sound, literally every meaningful category and sub-meaningful category, what else are you supposed to do? There's eight other dudes that have to go in the batter's box and perform. There's three or four other guys that have to go on the pitching mound and perform. Not to mention the relievers and your closers and whatever bullpen that you have. You have so many other guys to depend on where Shohei is doing everything. And yeah, he doesn't get to a postseason appearance, but it is not even remotely his fault. The dude is doing quite literally more than everybody else in the major leagues to get his team to the postseason. And because the rest of the team is so bad, he can't do it. I'm not going to hold that against Shohei to the point where I leave him out of any conversation being the best of the last decade and beyond. I think that he does need to leave, though, because if you see that your front office maybe isn't doing enough to win, uh, the, the NBA player mentality, that would be my only issue if he decided to play his entire tenure in uh, for the Angels. I think that if he sees to a point where, listen, this thing isn't going to work out, they're not going to get me to the next level as far as winning championships, then I do think he needs to leave and go somewhere where he can at least compete for championships on a year-in, year-out basis. But I do think for him, with his greatness, it will certainly add to the legend if he's able to do that and take him to that next level. So I do think that's something he does need to get. But if he goes to the Dodgers who have, if I'm not mistaken, do they have the biggest payroll in baseball? No, that's the Mets. Oh, that's right. Yeah, the Mets have the highest and the Yankees. The Dodgers actually cut their payroll this offseason. Well, if he goes to a team with the highest payroll and all of the All-Stars and wins that way, then are we not having the Kevin Durant conversation where we take away the meaning of the rings that way? No. Uh, yeah, because Why? baseball's kind of always been that way where it's haves and have nots. So I think it's kind of I don't I don't think you diss a guy, especially like let's just say he went to the Yankees. I mean, this is what the Yankees do. Who's going to diss anybody for going to the Yankees? Guys have always gone there for the money, the prestige and what they mean in sports. So I don't think anybody would hold that against them. But you know, I can't so you're saying it's okay to celebrate it for baseball, but criticize people who do it in basketball? No, I don't criticize anybody. I enjoy it. I'm not saying that, but it's just as far as how my vantage point looking at baseball, I just feel like that's always been par, par for the course with baseball because they don't have a salary cap. Fiddy, why do you say no so quickly before we move on? Be I mean, just because like you're going to play for the third most famous franchise in the sport behind the Yankees and the Cardinals. Maybe it's number two or whatever. And like, you still gotta, you still gotta do it just cause you're playing with other all-stars. It doesn't make it any easier to hit any easier to pitch any of that stuff. Like in basketball, when you're playing with three other top 75 players of all time, the game does. I just said that he needs to go somewhere else because for a market standpoint. Well, and also, but if you don't have a good hitter behind you, and Mike Trout is injured, by the way, so when people say, yeah, you have one of the what greatest there, yeah, 100%. But, I mean, Fiddy, you know, if you have somebody that isn't batting as well as some of these other stars that teams can provide, then they're going to pitch around you a lot more. It's what happened to Bryce Harper when he didn't have much talent. Happened to me in search softball. And so people would pitch around you to get to the best player on the roster, and that's why you had six, or yeah, they this pitch to you, I should say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they'd, they'd pitch meatballs right down the pipe, and then you would get 650 just because they didn't want to deal with the other guys out there.
All right, that's enough hating on Fitty for his Church League softball. It's good to have him back, and it's good to have Kyle Bailey walk into the Planet Kia Studios. He'll be with you from 3 to 6 p.m. It's Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.